Hello and uh, welcome to this episode of the Tapping Cup with myself, Daryl, and as always, Ian. Um, not one I'm looking forward to doing today at all. Um, I feel like I've been forced into this one, Ian, I'll be honest. Don't really know what to say. Depressing. Um, I hate being right. I told you I'd rather be wrong and you'd be smug saying, here we are. And um, England going out, but we'll come on to that. But yeah. Um, well, I got a message a as soon as it had happened. Well, I'm sat there almost in tears. Uh, I told you so. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks, mate. Um, I think it said, I didn't want to say. But I, I fucking told you so. Told you so. But, yeah, uh... I was like, just to get some <laughs> expletives in there, just to make it a bit better. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks, mate. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll come on to it because um, I'm sure it'll be really fun talking about that. The last tapping cup, if I remember correctly, we were just finishing up with Croatia and Brazil. Um, I think did we I think it was the main it? podcast, was it? It was the main oh, podcast right. and we watched them go out. Yeah, I think so. I think that was Friday's one, wasn't it? They'd just gone out because we kind of cut it off short so we could both get home for Argentina, Holland. Yeah, correct. Um, not much of a shock, to be honest, to see Croatia go through. To, they've been pretty solid all the way through the tournament. And Brazil, as I said to you, the one thing I have been right about is that they haven't impressed me that much and obviously they've ended up going out, so... As as much as you can say, I told you so about England. At least I get the small joy of saying I knew that Brazil weren't going to win it. And Croatia, you'd said would never never lost the penalty shootout. I don't know if that's World Cup or just full stop. But um, I think it's ever. I think keep, it's ever in knockout stages. The keeper with the way he was in the last game sort of uh, picked up where he left off, didn't he? And um, played a blinder. Um, so um, as soon as I mean, it was a very late goal, wasn't it? Um, to take it into the penalty uh, in extra time, wasn't it? And then was it 117 minutes or something? So yeah, because um, Bra- I think Neymar we both just said got live. It. Um, it was the the momentum was absolutely at that point with um, Brazil, Croatia. Uh, with Croatia, yeah. and, and you could kind of see it on Brazil that they looked a bit crushed, and they just carried that momentum through with the penalties, didn't they? Yeah, 117th minute equaliser from um, I can't remember his name. Is it Petkovic? Petkovic, yeah. Um, but yeah, and then decent goal. Yeah, and then as we see with a lot of people in this tournament, they then end up going through on penalties because the other team bottled taking penalties. Um, again, we'll come on to that. I'm sure. Shocking before. penalties. Shocking <laughs> penalties. I'm, I think you should just get rid of it out of football. Go back to the um, MLS way of doing it and just put ball on halfway line and just have a one-on-one versus keeper. Much prefer that. It is. It is the most crushing type of defeat, isn't it? Yeah, um, absolutely. Like, there's no no worse way to lose, I don't think, than penalties. Um, no. um, but, but yeah, I um, mean, we've got home for Argentina, Holland, though, and as you say, that is, I've got to be honest, one of the best games of football uh, I've enjoyed for a long time. I liked the way it was played with a bit of needle. Uh, definitely don't remember as many yellow cards ever in a game uh, as that, and it, I I always enjoyed that. That's exactly my type of game where. Everyone's getting a little bit carried away. People are backing each other up. You know, Virgil flying in after the guy punted the ball at the bench and just played with a little bit of nastiness. That's my type. Of, uh, my my game as a, as a solid right back in my youth was built on that, mate. Um, 18 cards I, in that game, um, which is ridiculous. And, and that's inclusive, obviously, of two yellow cards for Dumfries and a red card. But that is unbelievable. Never seen anything like it. I mean, cards for people not on the pitch. Cards for the for the manager. Um, ref was just handing them out like smarties. But yeah, I thought that was one of the games of one of the most games with bad intentions I've seen for a long time. And uh, as much as um, 
it wasn't a great game to watch in terms of flying football. Um, I've got to be honest, I really enjoyed it. Um, came back half pissed, um, having some rums watching it. And um, yeah, particularly as it, as it got towards the end, uh, it just got a bit nastier and turned, didn't it? Particularly that second late goal from, from Holland, which was just a wonderfully inventive little free kick. Um, really kind of sent the RGs over the edge. It was brilliant. I, I really enjoyed that free kick. And again, we'll come on to last minute free kicks because everything seems to be tying into one ear. But um, yeah, it, the amount of times that you see someone get a free kick, last minute of game, high pressure situation, right, I'm going to put it in top corner, smacks it against wall or blazes it over. Um, sends me absolutely loopy. I don't know why more teams are more inventive. And um, Weghorst had... I think he'd previously done this. I can't remember what team it was for, but they were previously at a free kick taken exactly the same. Um, short, just round wall, and then he put it in. And I'll have to look at that after things. I can remember him definitely. I mean, they looked down and out, didn't they, Argentina? Yeah. 2-0, coasting. Um, Holland, a bit of a last-ditch game plan of throw the big man on. Um, wonderful header to pull it back 2-1. And then it went into, is it 10 minutes or 11 minutes extra time? Uh, yeah. there was just a, I just had a feeling that um, they might do it. And then he got that free kick. Um, Argentina thought they covered all the bases, had a man on the wall. They had the old, you rarely see it these days, which again, going back to the old day, a man laying down on the floor, wasn't it, in case the wall jumps. So they tried to have it so they could jump to block it as well as have a man in case they went low. Um, and then they still managed uh, uh, sort of uh, Holland to outsmart them. But very best, best game of football I've watched in a long time, I thought. And then they got out anyway. <laughs> so after, after all that hard work to get it back to where it was, they end up going out on penalties anyway. Bad penalties again. I mean, I was shocked that Virgil missed. I mean, again, pretty solid. Whenever he's he's done penalties and shootouts for Liverpool, he's always gone that way to the right. Um, I don't know if you remember that infamous one where, I can't even remember the game now, where the keeper even tried to phase him out, was standing on that right-hand it. side Just and he still smashed it. it. Yeah. Uh, it was a similar penalty, but not quite as good. But that's a pro- I mean, I think I even texted you saying Virgil score all day. Uh, so I was shocked at that one. If there was one person I didn't think would uh, would let let the team down with the penalties, it was Virgil. But um, yeah, I mean, it feels like it's Messi's World Cup in some ways, doesn't it? The result, it, particularly with the other way, the games have fallen out and particularly how the draw has opened up. It feels like it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Argentina don't win it now with Messi. I bet, yeah, if we go through these episodes at Tapping Cup, you must have named a winner... <laughs> <laughs> on four different occasions, and I'm pretty sure it's. For, I think you've said France are going to go out where I think I'm pretty sure you said Brazil are going to win it uh, that you couldn't see past Brazil, and now it's it's Messi's World Cup. But you did say on that last one, I think that it was Messi's World Cup. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you've got to be absolutely good if you get all that way and you fight back. Considering you're two nil down, you get one back in eight third minute. You score a hundred first minute equaliser. You then ride out extra time. And then you lose on penalties. I, I literally couldn't imagine anything worse. Yeah, well, um, I mean, to be fair, England may well have been saved going out. That's the only thing that I can say that's remotely positive about the England game is that if we had equalised, we probably would have got out on penalties anyway. But um, yeah, it was. But well, Argentina go through. Um, Morocco, Spain. That was um, again good game. Watched them. Watched them all um, on, on Saturday. I thought Morocco thoroughly deserved it. And you did, again, you did this you, early in this week. You said Morocco, Spain. That were earlier rounds. Round of 16, that. Morocco, Portugal. Oh, right, yeah. Oh. Um, 
But I mean, you um, called it in some ways that you felt Morocco had a bit of sort of momentum going with them. You weren't particularly impressed, I think, with Spain when they went out or Portugal, even though they turned it on. But yeah. I thought Morocco down to the man were absolutely superb. That is the kind of game where every single player they had was probably an eight, eight out of ten. You know, some maybe more. Every man did his job. Thoroughly good team effort where the sum of all the parts by far outweigh the individual players. Well, it's the, it's the argument, isn't it? So you go through um, Morocco's team, I think you could probably name about half the team. So they've got obviously Hakimi, Bufal, Zayek, uh, and Amrabat, or Saiz, I think, from Wolves as well, the only ones that proper spring to mind. But the rest of the team isn't sort of world beaters. You're not going to look around and think, oh, yeah, he's you know from such and such from a top league. But... Sometimes when this type of thing happens, where you've got players who are all playing for each other and are all determined to win, they're the better the team. And obviously you look at Portugal, they've got some absolute world beaters. Ramos in the earlier round got the hat-trick. Neves, uh, you know, Bernardo Silva were pretty non-existent in this game. Um, Fernandes always trying to make a show of everything, isn't he? Because that's, that is Fernandes. And then obviously Yao Felix, who's been getting a lot of uh, attention in the press recently and apparently going to Arsenal. That sounds a bit... I mean, they're always renowned for being relatively hot and cold, Portugal, but it's been a long time since I can remember seeing a team going from how well they played to win in the 6-1 to how woeful they were in that. You know, the complete opposite ends of the spectrum, weren't they? Um, You know, Ramos didn't even get a sniff this game. Looked fucking world-class as a youngster, you know. It was the second youngest World Cup hat-trick ever. And then didn't even get a sniff this game. No, it wouldn't not existent. Like I say, I think Morocco played it to an absolute T. They, they knew exactly what the game plan was, and then they executed it. And to be honest, that's all it takes in these types of games. They're all knockout games. Anything can happen. And as we've seen with Portugal and Spain, if you don't bring your A game against these teams or you underestimate them, you get knocked out. Um, I did find I mean, it quite Amrabat funny. Yeah, was, Amrabat was absolutely was superb. Wasn't yeah. it? I mean, getting out of close sort of tight ends when he had the ball in sort of making up the ground bringing it out of defence and giving him the chance on the counter I thought he looked he was he, he was the, the man of the match for me I thought he was absolutely superb but um, you know again they all, they all did their part in that as a proper team performance and a big shout out to uh, Chidera for Morocco for coming on in the 91st minute and getting sent off in the 93rd with two yellow cards that did give me a bit of a laugh um, we've got to come on to it then I suppose Um Final knockout game, final uh, quarterfinal was England-France. I was absolutely certain that we were going to do it. And obviously, you know full well that I was. And I still, I'm looking back, still don't know how they didn't win this game. Or at least draw this game, to be honest. I don't think France really turned up. Um, they had two clear-cut chances, both being Giroud. And he scored the second one. England had a number of chances, looked the better team. And Bappe was completely non-existent. I think Kyle Walker had done a number on him. And then obviously the referee's performance is probably one of the worst refereeing performances I've ever seen in a, a knockout tournament. But just good, just absolutely good. I mean, I thought Griezmann was superb for them. Particularly, he seemed to be playing a bit deeper um, than he normally does. He's you know normally at least a, a winger or a striker, and he, he, everything seemed to go through him. Um, I wouldn't have said Mbappe was awful. I thought every time he got, he looked dangerous. But I think I agree with you. He didn't really do a great deal apart from sort of put the fear in him. Um, And and Walker marshalled him pretty well. Um, 
I mean, I was well. By text you, I was slagging off Saka when I was. He was. He was almost non-existent in the first half. Came out the second half. I mean, completely different player. Every he absolutely had Hernandez all over the park. Just you know, Hernandez couldn't cope with him in the slightest. Um, obviously, wins the penalty for the first one. Uh, involved uh, in the second, and then they took him off, which I just couldn't understand when he was by far away our best player. I thought. Um, agree with you about the chances. They only had two chances. The goal was, you know, the Tuchemeni's goal was sort of kind of out of nothing, and the only actual clear cut chances they had was. And it were a foul. Um, and it was it, it was definitely to start with. I'll be honest. I thought Saka was being a bit of a pussy. A few of my other mates were texting and saying about a foul. For some reason, they took ages to show a replay, didn't they? Yeah. Like ten minutes before they actually showed a replay of it, and then the replay said to me was a clear foul. They didn't give the first penalty, which again ultimately is irrelevant because Gabriel would have fucking missed that as well. Um, but yeah, one of the worst refereeing performances I've ever seen. Uh, say, and it's easy to blame it on that. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll obviously come on to the ins and outs of the game. But let's just, while we're talking about it, let's talk about the referee because um name is Wilton Sampaio. I've never heard of him. I don't think you'll ever hear of him again. Brazilian referee. Um it was dog shit. Like, it's, it, obviously, we're going to sound biased because we're English and obviously supporting his home country. But I, I don't remember a worse refereeing performance this tournament, and that includes the Netherlands um, and Argentina game where he was just handing out yellow cards for fun. He was just getting everything wrong for England. There were so many little bits of fouls, little bits and pieces in terms of Griezmann. I think it was five fouls before he gave a yellow card. He should have been booked miles before then. Um, the first goal for them is a definite foul on Saka. There's a penalty on Harry Kane, like you said, that's just not given, and I can't understand why it's not given. Um, the argument would be that it's outside the box. I don't think it is. I think it's right on the edge, and I think it continues into the box anyway, so it's an ongoing motion, so it should be a penalty. Um, he doesn't give the penalty for Mason Mount. After all that, I, I was almost certainly will not going to give the penalty for Saka, to be honest. Um, so that there's loads of little bits and pieces like that, and I just thought it were awful, just absolutely atrocious. I think it highlights the as much as he was, and I'm not trying to stick up for him or, but it, it highlights to me the the problem with some of this kind of uh, the way FIFA run the World Cup and it's governed in that every nation that goes then obviously brings a referee and they kind of rotate those. Let's be honest, the quality of refereeing. In fucking Brazil, South America, Asia, wherever else you want to look at it, is nowhere near the quality in Europe of the, the, these refs that are coming from Germany, Spain, whatever, and they're refing the Champions League. And there has to be some kind of knock this kind of, oh, let's all be fair and diverse and have everyone represented. That's bullshit. When you get down to these kind of games, it should be the top four or five referees taking those matches. And for me, all every time they're going to be Europeans because they are refing at a higher quality and held to higher standards than the referees from the other nations. So to me, uh, he was awful, but it's systemic of the way that FIFA do this and share this shit about and it's nonsense. It should have had, the you know, all of the quarters should have had European refs because they are undoubtedly the highest quality refs. Well, we moan all the time about Premier League refs, and don't get me wrong, rightfully so, because that some of the decisions that have been made in the Premier League this season are, again, god-awful. But I would honestly take just about every league, uh, every referee in the Premier League over this guy. He just didn't have a clue. He just almost he looked incompetent, to say the least. And obviously, 
accusations of cheating and stuff and it's not it's not cheating and it's not going to be anywhere near like that i'm sure that there's not like going to be find out in a few months time that he's been paid off by french or anything like that but it's just one of the most important sets of games that an international team can play in fact the most important you don't get bigger than the world cup so you would think as you said that you're going to put your top officials not just your, your referees, but your linesmen, lineswomen, um, you put, you know, your VAR, all, all that, fourth officials, etc. They have to be the top of the top. And those people not only have to be top of the top for the, the actual uh, results and for the, the games themselves, but they have to have been there because they deserve to be there. It's a little bit like, the you know, England and, and France and stuff getting to the, uh, the knockout stages on merit. Well, Surely that should be the same with the referees. They should only get there if they're not causing issues, if they're renowned in world football as being the best of the best. Because you're not going to be able to play these games again. England can't, no matter what happens now, can't overturn this result and can never change this result for the rest of time. Gareth Southgate is always going to be known as a failure because of this. Uh, A lot of these players, you know, will never maybe get this chance again. But that's how it works. And you're not going to get anything thrown back against this referee. He's just going to fade into obscurity. It's not going to be a matter of he's going to be punished, he's not going to lose anything. It's just, yeah, that's it, never mind. The funny thing is, obviously, because it's showing your age there, to me, Southgate's always a fucking failure anyway because of his 96 he missed that penalty. Uh, yeah. and his fucking pizza hut advert. But, um, yeah, as a player and as a coach, he's, he's um, uh, a failure in that respect. I mean, it, it, I mean in, in some ways, the only thing you would say, as much as against the referee, this one to me feels it was in our hands in that Kane missed it and threw it away. He did yeah. have the chance that, 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 you know, if, if, if that, let's say that penalty wasn't given and then we're all moaning about that, that's one thing different, but to then have it and miss it. And that kind of brings me on to one, the major point that I wanted to make, which I cannot stand players taking two penalties in a match. I think a penalty in a shootout is different. Two penalties in a match. If I'm a manager, I'm not letting the same player take it because it's undoubtedly psychological advantage to the keeper because he's already seen what you're going to do once. And one really interesting point, which I'm going to credit where credit's due, is no one else has said this, but you said it yesterday when we were at the gym. This is where it makes a mockery of Southgate's decision not to take Tony. Renowned for his penalties, which is if it had gone to a shootout, you called it to me last night. I hadn't even thought of it. That was the fucking move. Callum Wilson didn't hardly get any minutes anyway. If we take taken Tony, we get that second penalty, right Kane. You've already got, you know, we know I might be going to a shootout. Don't let give, you know, we're not having three in a game. Bring Tony on. Tony, I'm telling you, puts that away. Yeah, un- for me, undoubtedly, because he's one of the best penalty takers. It, it sounds silly because of obviously where he is at the moment and no disrespect for Brentford, but he's one of the best penalty takers in the world. I don't remember that he's ever missed one, if I'm right about that. Uh, I think he has, but it's not for Brentford. So I think he was like 19 out of 19 for Brentford. And I saw a really good kind of, it was either a video or something on Brett. I think we may have talked about it before on on Twitter, ironically. It was like a a sports psychologist breaking down like into nine steps what Tony does and how deliberate. It might just look like he's taking a penalty, how he waits six seconds or something, you know, he's run up the... It, you know, very, very methodical. Uh, and I thought when you said that to me last night, I was like, absolutely nailed it, mate. That's exactly, that's Scalfgate's fault. That's the error. Everyone said, oh, what about Tony? Well, you know, if Callum Wilson was coming on and, and getting more minutes, Southgate could have justified that. Given he didn't get any minutes at all, 
that has to come back on Kane because he missed the penalty ultimately has to take the the, the, the main shoulder responsibility. But that makes the decision not to take Tony look foolish to me because when all that melee is kicking off and the refs calling it back, bang! If Tony's not already on the pitch, Ivan, get yourself on, do what you do, take us into extra time and get ready for the shootout. Well, not not just that, is it? It's not just taking that single penalty, like you say, get ready for the shootout because then you're almost certainly guaranteeing you that you're going to score two goals, which sounds ridiculous because. I'm including Kane in one of those guaranteed goals for the penalty shootout and it's not worked out that way. But I agree. I think the mentality aspect of things is is definitely where the penalties come to the forefront, don't they? To be honest, I think me and you could go up and take a penalty and we'd score nine times out of ten if it were in someone's garden or you know if it were down pitch somewhere. But if you're talking about in front of Hundreds of thousands of pounds, uh, hundreds of thousands of people watching at home, or millions of people watching at home. You know, thousands of thousands of people watching you take this penalty. Everyone focused on you. You scored one. You've got to do it again. And even in the run-up, even the whole stance of it, it just didn't look like you were going to score it. And I, I turned around to uh, Meg, uh, my girlfriend at the time, fiance now. I better correct that because she'll kick me head in. Um, but uh, it was just almost certain that we were going to miss it, and there was just something about the way that. It was about to be taken and is about to go down. That I would just—I didn't even watch it. I just put my head down. I was like, "Yeah, it's not scoring it." Um, the but... weird thing, though, for me is why aren't they? Why aren't we? Like, you know, we've talked about penalties before, and they've talked about sports psychologists and this kind of mentality that we are a nation of bottlers when it comes to it. Why doesn't someone get Tony to one side and say, "Look, how the fuck are you doing this?" You know, teach others what you're doing come into the england squad you know you're obviously the man at doing this share that knowledge share it around this is this is important for the for the for the nation and for the for the collective players you're obviously very good at doing this share with everybody else how you go about that and and, and let you know not everyone else is going to do that each everybody's got their own motivations their own style of things but at least have him in that collective squad and and sharing that knowledge saying this is what i do lads this is how it works for me I've garnered this over time and, and experience, and it works. So, give it a fucking go. I don't think you can teach it. I think that's one of the things that I would say about that. I think there are certain players, including Tony, and I'm talking more about your, your top of the top elite players, so your messes, etc. And, and obviously, messes miss penalties as well before. But I think there's a certain mentality that you can you can have, but you can't teach. And I think if you try to tell the majority of the England team how to take a penalty, they'll just look at you completely blank. Harry Maguire has taken one of the best penalties I've seen for England in God knows how many years in the um, Euro shootout. So why you're not seeing someone like that step up, I don't know whether that was just a one-off or or what. But what it does bring me on to, um, Southgate, does he go? And do you want him to go? Um... As much as I say we look at it as a failure, um, I think he was let down in some ways by Kane, or was it let down? That's the wrong thing. Kane bottled it um, when, when he should have. Um, there's clear progress under Southgate. You know, that was a, a Euro final. Um, you know, within that's the most frustrating thing is how close it could have been, particularly, you know, if you, you, you're talking about us saying before the game, if you'd said have Morocco in the semi um, prior to that, we'd have snapped your hand off, wouldn't you? So how close did England come to that? So I think there has been progress. It it would seem to be, certainly be harsh if he got fired. I think if he stepped down, 
and he said, right, I've not enough. This is as far as I can take the team or something like that. I would accept it, but as much as I never really probably thought I'd say this, I think I would encourage him to stay and, and sort of there's some, some unfinished business and we've definitely improved as a team under him, I think. See, I disagree. I, I think improved is definitely subjective because it couldn't have got worse from Hodgson and, and what we were seeing before, Capella, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but I think it's at the point where he's, he's got to go now. I, they won't get rid of him. You, you're absolutely spot on. And there's been reports already anyway that the FA want to keep him on and they want him to stay. But you're at a point now where you're looking through the tournaments that he's played and yes, he's won more knockout games and I think than any um, England manager for the last so many years. God knows how far that statistic goes back. But the teams that he's beaten in these knockout stages aren't your, your top teams. These are teams that aren't very good. So you look at um, this tournament as a prime example. Yes, Bluey ran away. Drew with America. Probably should have lost that game. Beat Wales. Neither of those victories are, are really noteworthy. You then go into the, the next round and beat Senegal. You can argue that Senegal are the, the African champions, so they should be good. But again, it's a team that should be beaten. The first time you come up against a team that are, are noteworthy in the current world champions... And you lose. So it's a, a recurring factor in these tournaments thus far. I think the only team of note that I can remember was beating, and it's arguable whether they're of note anymore anyway, because it seems to be on a massive decline, is Germany. Um, Croatia beat us. A Croatia that good? Should we be beating Croatia? Is that more of a entitlement from my stance and as an Englishman that we should be beating teams like Croatia? Because they always seem to be there, but in my opinion, we should. Italy the same Italy that hadn't qualified and haven't qualified for this World Cup. So are they that good as the European champions or should we have beaten them? Um, there's loads of stuff that you can say. That, and I, I think for me, his race is run. I think it's time for a new manager. But the main thing that we definitely disagree in um, is that I don't want it to be one of the candidates that looking at as an English manager. And I don't think it should be an English manager at this point. I think we're at the point where they've tried that now, try and test it, doesn't work. Um, the only English managers that I could see us getting would be Lampard and I'd, I'd rather just not be a football supporter ever again if Frank Lampard took over my country and Steven Gerrard who has been a failure when he's actually tried at a, a bigger level than um, at Rangers. I think you should be looking at Poch and, and Tuchel and I said to you Tuchel yesterday and I've never seen you as angry about a football manager in my life. We can't have a foreign manager. I said to German, no, nah, I'm not having that, I'm afraid. Um, that, for me, is uh, an absolute no-no. Um, nice live uh, for showing that we're doing it live. I've got a knock at the door. Two secs. <laughs> well, I'll entertain myself then, shall I? Um... <laughs> We've got postman in background of the uh, this episode. And a man just got ignored. Just like, oh, how you doing? Just took that and ignored him. So uh, nice little bit of live action for people there. But um, I thought you were a woman. Yeah. No, that was a dude. Weird looking dude. But um, yeah, um, it, what, it, it, I'm just, I, I said to you, Doug, I, I mean, I, I'd be loathed in some ways to have Pochettino. Tuchel was the better manager than Pochettino. If it was a club team, it might be different. But for me, for England, I can't have a German boss. I, I just can't. I, don't, I just don't think that's acceptable. Well, I mean, the argument against that is it's clearly not working with Southgate. Um is there's, there's no one really else that I can think of that would be English that would take it. You give it to Brendan Rodgers. Um, obviously, Graham Potter seemed to be the 
person that you would you know want to get in there and he's not doing too well now he's taken the step up to Chelsea I feel like he's been harshly judged um who else would you possibly have Eddie Howe he's not leaving his position is it not a chance in hell um and the whole but the only thing is I think on paper England we've already shown that necessarily having the best manager doesn't translate to to, to international football in that Sven you know, might be a bit of a joker uh, at the time, but was no joke as a boss beforehand. You know, done superbly well at Lazio, in at Milan, the other teams he'd been at. Look at Capello. Capello was an amazing boss, again, you know, and it doesn't translate. So I don't think you can necessarily say just because they are top, top managers that that will necessarily translate into um, well, when, that when success running off in England. For, for me, I don't remember, and, and again... Correct me if I'm wrong if you think it's Capello, but tell me the last time that England appointed a, a tried and tested successful manager. Probably Capello or, or Ericsson. I mean, look, at, you can't argue with them on paper beforehand. Capello especially. I mean, had a phenomenal record in Serie A and the teams that he'd managed. So I, I think you'd be hard-pressed to say that, that before he took the England job that he wasn't a top, top manager. But... Um, yeah, I, I think there's something about it because it's your country. It comes with, you know, some pride. There's something to be that does translate to having an Englishman in charge of England that comes across. I mean, the only one that you didn't mention, I don't think, in there, which I suppose I'm going to have my Liverpool biased here, that I don't know if he'd do a fantastic job, but it might be better than some of the other people he said would be Stevie G. Jesus uh, Christ. He, he would at least, to me, have those players are going to be looking up and respecting him immediately because they will all be remembered and been kids when he was a player. So to me, that, that one aspect you, you've got already would be the instant respect. But let's be honest, he's hardly covered himself in glory with what he did at Villa, despite his success at, at Rangers. Um, so I definitely wouldn't be hankering to say, Stevie G's the man, give it to him, they'll change everything. But if I had to have an Englishman out of that kind of band of people that we've said, he, he, I'd be probably leaning towards him. Well, your mate Carragher agrees with you. He's come out this morning on uh, social media and said, how can you appoint anyone that isn't English to the English role? But I, I just don't agree. I think it's got to be at a point where, I mean, you look at, and this is going down a massive rabbit hole, you look at the Lionesses. So they've finally won a tournament. I don't remember the last time, and to be honest, I don't really follow women's football as much, but they've got a um, Dutch manager. And she's what is she won a, a ton of, again. I don't know how much they've won before, but I would argue that she's the most successful manager in their history. So it doesn't necessarily have to be English; it just has to be the right person. And I think this next appointment is key because of the players I, that they've got now and because of this potential golden generation, quote unquote. I completely agree with you, by the way. That I remember all of this this this, this argument, you know, twenty odd years ago, maybe a bit less, when Sven was the boss. And I remember specifically being at the time being that I I want the best manager we can get and not that fussed if they're English. Went Sven, we then tried Capello, you know, Scolari was going to get it at one point before he backed out and said, I don't need this media circus. Um so I would agree with you, but that kind of slightly xenophobic side of me just says any nationality but German and I, I know that sounds terrible but I just I, I I just it wouldn't feel right having a German all of it it's not like Tuchel has caused that by the way and it's a pathetic view for me to be fair but I, I, I am big enough I, I can hear myself and how stupid I sound but there's just something that doesn't resonate with me 
in having a German in charge. Um, what if Klopp wanted any, it? I have a nationality. I, 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 if who, sorry? Klopp. What if Klopp wanted it? It's German, mate. It might be German Scouse, but um, it, it doesn't take <laughs> it away. Do you know what I mean? I think it's, it's um, you know, again, I've got to at least try and be consistent in my stupid views. And as much as, you know, I, I'll be honest, at the, at the time, I wasn't the biggest fan of him coming in at, at Liverpool because for, for exactly that, that maybe the generation, uh, as I say, I think it's something that has phased out over generations. But my granddad fucking fought in the war, um, you know, uh, that. That, that 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 still is a thing for my generation, I think, and, and above is that fuck Germany because of the war, which is pretty pathetic because it sounds an ancient history. You know, I, as I say, I am completely self-aware enough of how stupid and xenophobic that sounds, but it just, as you say, any nationality. So the the next best available manager that's not German for me, if it's Poch. I could take Poch. I, I think he's overrated myself. I mean, he didn't, you know, he, he transformed Spurs into a better team. Didn't really win anything, did he? It wasn't exactly... I mean, he took um, him to the Champions League final. If it weren't for yourself turning up, then uh, he would be a Champions League winner. True. I mean, if it wasn't for Harry Kane missing a penalty, we might have gone on and won the World Cup. So if some buts, I hear what you're saying. But um, Poch, I... At the moment, from the people I've seen linked on paper, you would say Poch is maybe the highest calibre manager. As I say, if I'm taking sort of Tuchel out of it, uh, and again, being honest with you, he didn't again cover himself in particular glory at Chelsea. I don't think Tuchel. So, I think him and Poch both maybe slightly flattered to deceive, deceive in terms of their reputations and what people think of them, as opposed to what they've actually done. But um, he won Champions I, League, I, I, Tuchel at Chelsea. Wasn't his team though? I don't think was it. Did he build that team? Didn't he just didn't he, like you know? But if he didn't he, build that team, I mean, surely that's a, a feather in his cap. If he's taken someone else's team to win the Champions League, I, I can't. But didn't that? What's his name? One that did that, didn't he? Uh, he's the other Chelsea boss that won it. Di Matteo, exactly. I was going to say that. Look at that. Five comes him. in. It was you take Di Matteo, would you? He's <laughs> like, talking about again, just because of one-off trophies. I'm looking for sustained success. And let's be fair, no one that's been linked is the you know, that upper, you know, Pep. I saw one thing I did laugh at. I was like, now there's, that's who you fucking want. I saw that Brazil were going to apparently try and tempt Pep into doing that. Now, if you know, if it's, you know, I'm making offers like that, fucking get Pep. And someone, I remember one conversation again, this harks back to previous years. Would you take a part-time manager? So he's manager, manager yeah. of Man City, Hang England. Fuck yeah, agreed. 100%. 100%. I, I give it to Pep part-time every day of the fucking week, mate. That would be, the dream signing would be Pep saying, do you know what? I'll do him City and I'll do this. I'm based in England. I've got a scouting team. How often do we meet up? If you're going to go for someone who's a foreigner and you want the best, Pep's the man. I do feel like you're only saying that because that would potentially weaken Manchester City. And I think that's your dream. Isn't it? Like you're, you're an international team getting better and then your club level team doing better because someone else has been weakened. So, but I mean, too I don't know for... if that weakens them. It I, does. I, I, I it, think he's it takes that type out, of person. It does, but I I think that it's naive to think now that one person can do everything. Look at, say, training. I bet Pep does fuck all in training. All his coaching staff probably take training. He might pop in there and overlook and see who's looking good and in form. There's no way Pep, I won't have it, that Pep's like taking training. Pep's involved in that day-to-day uh, side of football. I bet he has a scouting team. I, I, I think these days, the, 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 the days are gone 
where the manager from say probably it's probably been the last 20 or 30 years where the manager is actually doing everything so he's signing the players he's out uh you know taking training you know th- those days i i think it, the game has progressed and now they're very much an overseer same as that's why you have a director of football that takes away that kind of the signing the scouting side of things you've got tiers of coaches that are working with the players day in day out so i, I i'm not so sure it weakens city if he takes that is it a distraction potentially but i don't know if you could necessarily 100% say that because he's got another job he's that type of man he lives and breathes football and the man he knows anyway i think he could do it both of his eyes closed i mean that that's the other thing though i, I would agree with you with the majority of managers these days that they don't necessarily get hands on training Pep 100% does. There's not a chance that that man who is football, I I don't think there's anything that he does other than football. He's like Bielsa, he's obsessed with it. I can imagine that he's on the the training ground, I can imagine he goes into showers with them, rubs them down and does all this weird stuff with them. Um, I think though that wasn't, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't that one of the reasons though why Arteta was so highly rated and why Arsenal wanted him is what an integral part of that process, training, things like that, that he was doing for Pep when he was at City in terms of the assistant and why he, he, I think he with was Pep. the man that was yeah. with Pep obviously doing the more day-to-day stuff that maybe doesn't get that shine at the press conference again the demands on a manager's time now are infinitely greater than they were 20 or 30 years ago with press conferences and all the TV media deals and all the places that the games are now streamed and all the questions and shit like that it's they have to they have to kind of diversify and concentrate on smaller chunks so I, I personally I think he could definitely handle it and I'm not so sure that it would detrimentally affect City if it did wouldn't be the worst thing in the world like <laughs> you said um, England get better City get a bit weaker not def- definitely win-win for me but I, I hear what you're saying out of curiosity then so last thing just before we do go if Tuchel wasn't German would you take him because I'm just looking through his honours here he won the uh, the Pokal Cup with Dortmund, he then obviously goes to PSG, wins the league twice. That's not really that interesting. He won the Cuba de Liga, uh, the Trophy de Champions. He won. Oh, he came second, didn't he, in the Champions League? Goes to Chelsea, wins the Champions League, wins the Super Cup, wins the Club World Cup. Again, neither of those really matter. Wins the FA Cup, and then he's a runner-up in the FA Cup and EFL Cup. Um, either way, some of them are dubious, aren't they? We, we, the Super me Cup, or I'm you, not could win yeah. all. Super Cup, you don't count. And all of the titles at France, I wouldn't be... I mean, all right, let's, you know, uh, Poch didn't win the title. Lille did that season, so you could argue that. I would hear that if you made that argument. But, you know, the team that he had then when he was the manager, when you had Ibrahimovic, Cavani, people like that, I think me or you probably could have managed that team to win those those trophies in France. So, personally, I'd take them out of the equation. You can't sleep on winning the Champions League. That's a completely fair point. And you can't... You know, he did a good job at Dortmund as well. Dortmund is a very good sort of training ground for managers. Klopp, obviously, there's other ones that have progressed from Dortmund up through to, to other leagues. So I hear what you're saying. But um, to answer the question, that CV, if you take those ones that we've just said, that you know, Super Cup and maybe the French titles out of it, it's not super trophy laden then. Last, last, year, last year, he was the best coach in the world. So he won... Best FIFA uh, football coach. He won UEFA Men's Coach of the Year. He won, I'm sure it's your favourite award, the German Football Manager of the Year. Um, And he won the IFF uh, HS Men's World Best Club Coach uh, of the Year. So he he was the best manager in 
the world last season. So is the argument that he's, he's still not good enough? Or... I w- ah, look, I'm going to sound like I'm just... You hate Germans, yeah. I'm going to people who listen to this from Germany hate this podcast now. Um, but just to argue your point, last year, the same year, I think that you're talking about that he won manager of the year or whatever European, yeah. didn't Edouard Mendy win the best goalie in the year uh, in the World Award? Look at him now. He was struggling to make... He's, he's, you know, he's now suddenly dropped off that pedestal and he might be number two at Chelsea. So... I, I do hear what you're saying, but I think awards alone have to be based usually on success in that period. So because he won the Champions League that year, that translated that he then got the coach of the year or, you know, whatever the award is. But yeah. I've just looked outside, Ian, and the sky's blue. Do you want to tell me it's green? Just uh, just for just, argument's it's, sake. It's just this the German thing, mate. <laughs> I'm just, as you say, like that's, I think there's, there's better candidates that then aren't German. If I had to be brutal about it, but um, just okay. Well, I feel like it's a good point to end it. Um, we'll obviously continue these tapping cup episodes. Unfortunately, well, should we do a quick, quick preview of uh, of the semis tonight's? Yeah, we we, go. we've got tonight's, haven't we? So you can do, can do. I forgot it was tonight, and so tonight is is it Argentina Croatia tonight? It is. So um, should be a good game. Um, you wonder whether both teams have been gone through via penalties. You know, you've got to look at the legs in, in, involved in terms of the fitness levels. Will they, the managers freshen it up a little bit, given that, you know, both coming off hard-fought victories in, uh, in via penalties. Um, I mean, I've picked out a couple of battles, again, depending if they play the teams that they played in, um, in, in the quarters. You could have, I think you could have a pretty key battle in the, in the middle of the park. You've got uh, Enzo Fernandez for Argentina against uh uh, Modric, Liverpool's um, Enzo Fernandez, soon to be. Indeed, apparently so, which I think is is, is not a bad bit of business, and we'll we'll save that. Hopefully, it might be a bit more officially announced by Friday, and yep. we can go into that then. Um, the one for me there is um, where does he put Messi? Because both of Croatia's fullbacks have looked pretty good uh, during this uh, World Cup. I thought you've got the right back. I think it plays for Celtic. Um, Juranovic and um, I can't think now who plays at left back but he's, Sosa he's the, for Stuttgart so, so, uh, again um, Rangers isn't he who again has has played pretty well Stuttgart at, uh, Stuttgart is it yeah, um, sorry I'm thinking of Buranovic I think the second back, back up left back but yeah yes, um, so um, does Messi try and he, whilst he's been playing up front do they try and isolate him onto one of the, the wingers uh, or fullbacks there that, that they would be um, you know that's a that's a good shout um, quickly because then if we'll, we'll cover it in, in the final one um, Morocco France uh, what would your views be there I mean I think you've got Miapi up against Hakimi Mbappe and Mbappe uh, Hakimi people sleep on how good of how talented this kid is you know very very good big money moves to Inter and then subsequently to PSG yeah um very, very good attacking-wise, but also, I'll tell you who he reminds me of, he's like a Trent that can defend. Very, very good defensively. Big unit, strong, quick, good in the tackle. If if, if Trent could defend half as well as Hakimi, he would be fucking outstanding. So I, I wonder if they might... Miapi's, uh, Mbappe has been trying to... They've been playing him on the left. I wonder if they might try and move him to avoid him coming up against Akimi because they are also in that there's that uh, Harry Kane Lloris dynamic there as well isn't there that they both play for PSG personally I think 
it's probably a step too far for Morocco, unfortunately. I'd love to see Morocco go on and win it now. That would be uh, very, very enjoyable for me. But I think this is probably where they reach their limit. I don't think France have been that good all tournament. And I'm backing against myself here because any other team, I would be saying that France would be going out here. Obviously, I said it last round as well and I got that wrong. Um, so I think France go through and I think it'll be fairly comfortable, like a 2-0 uh, thing. I think Argentina will beat Croatia tonight. I don't want them to, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see uh, Modric go on and, and win it all as well. So And it'd be fun to see a Croatia-Morocco final just so that no big teams win it. And um, it's a proper toys out of the pram scenario for me, is that in it? Just if, if England can't win it, I don't want anyone else to win it. Um, do you want to call a winner for the World Cup? Just like... <laughs> Messi, I think it'll go down. Uh, I've been saying this all along, been consistent all the way through this <laughs> podcast. That, uh, um, but I think it is, I think I texted you when when Argentina went through and said I think it's got Messi's name on it. I think it's the only um, trophy, as it were. I think in terms of uh, as a professional footballer, he hasn't won in terms of he's won the league and all the other cups where he's been Champions League, etc. Uh, and when they got through, it just you know when you just get that kind of feeling that. You know, they've got that. The stars have aligned sort of thing. Yeah, very yeah. much so. And I, I can't help but feel as much as I'd love to see, and this has been the World Cup of underdogs, I do see it being Argentina, France in the final. And then you've also got that uh, Mbappe, Messi, club mates dynamic against each other, haven't they? It will get hyped up before the, the game. But um, I I think it will be tote close today. I don't think it will be a, a stroll for Argentina. Uh, and they showed certainly Croatia will feel that they can get at them and they can, you know, they get a bit nervous after that Holland result where they just seem to sort of fold in the, the last sort of 10, 15 minutes. So, um, you, know, you wouldn't write Croatia off, but I can't help but feel Argentina, France final. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, last time they played each other, Argentina and Croatia, I think it were 3-0 Croatia. Um, a bit of a surprise result on it in the, the last World Cup, but obviously significant amount of time onwards since then. Croatia will feel, I think, the longer that this or that they're still in the game, the more chance that they're going to ever win it. That penalty statistic will, I think, be in the back of a lot of Argentinians' minds going into this, so they'll want to get this done early. Um, but yeah, I can't see past an Argentina-France final, and then I, I agree. I think Argentina go on and win it. But hopefully we're both wrong. Hopefully Morocco win it. Yeah. Um, and I mean, we both managed to sound a bit more upbeat than I thought we would, given the rather... Uh... Disappointing England result, but I'm um, sort of that's like a block of flats actually recording this. So once I click um, stop recording, I'm going to jump off. Uh, but other than that, I know, really upbeat. But as always, thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you soon.